HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil that rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you sun in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. I heard you hey, ate man. some hot chicken. I heard you ate some hot chicken recently. Oh, man, I did. I conducted a highly scientific experiment about what happens to the human body when you eat hot chicken three meals in a row. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was for the the good and the knowledge of humankind. And uh, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> three, three in a row from uh, Shirley went to Prince's. Of course, yeah, I went to Prince's. Prince's was uh, that was the that was the hottest one. That was Hell the yeah, one where <laughs> I was, uh, according to my eating companions, the most visibly in pain out of all of them. So it was one yeah. one Prince's, two Hattie B's. Prince's um, is my favorite. I uh, that was my first. Uh, that was my initiative, my inaugural hot chicken when I was in Nashville, uh, and it it remains my favorite to this day. Every time I go and go anywhere else or have hot chicken anywhere, I always think back to that experience. It's so awesome, man! It is just so like the the most the most exquisite ecstatic pain that you could possibly imagine on a piece of food. It's so good. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. You know, people all the time say, I don't like the taste of spicy. You know, we don't taste spicy. We taste sweet, sour, salty, umami, and of course, my favorite, bitter. But we don't taste spicy. We feel it. So yeah. when someone comes into my bar and says, you know, I, you know, I don't like spicy. I understand them to be saying to me, I don't like pain, right? Whereas I think you and I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were in Nashville, obviously, to eat a bunch of hot chicken. Anything else you did while you were there? Oh, you know, I just saw this little competition called World Class, U.S. Hell World yeah. Class Finals. Yeah, it was super fun, man. Uh, met a lot of really amazing people. Saw a lot of really incredible uh, speed rounds, a lot of really cool um, uh, Taste the City rounds. They had a competition called Homebrew, which was uh, you basically have to do a tribute to your home city using something that is brewed, which involved a lot of beer, which I was, of course, a big fan of. Yeah. And then uh, the Don Julio competition. I didn't see this round, unfortunately, but the eventual winner, uh, Jesse Pollock, who is uh, a lovely human being, couldn't have happened to anybody nicer, Yep. Um, apparently busted out a Ouija board during... <laughs> 
during her round and tried to summon the spirit of Don Julio, which, uh, you know, it's just, I certainly didn't hurt her way to the crown. Um, but yeah, like a lot of, a lot of just really insanely creative and, uh, fun things in a really, really, really hot setting in every sense of the word. It was, it was a ton of fun. Glad I went, glad I got to see some really cool stuff. Um, happy to be back in Brooklyn now where I theoretically live, I suppose. And this was some recon slash cub reporting for Heritage Radio, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So stay tuned. There's going to be uh, an episode of Back Bar coming out that's going to feature some cool interviews, including uh, potentially with the winner of U.S. World Class and just a little bit of a little bit of history, a little bit of backstory, not just on the competition itself, but on, you know, this really uh, amazing city. You know, I'm a big history geek. Obviously, I, yep. I, I run a show about it uh, on on this great little network called HRN. Yeah. Um but you know, like there's just so much uh, history and city and backstory to a place like Nashville. You know, not all of it good, but I mean, that's 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 history. It's not all uh, sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the present that we you know have either. But uh, you know, a lot of just very um, larger than life characters. A lot of really interesting stuff. A ton of really interesting cuisine, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really great episode. Once I you know. Write it, write it, <laughs> can it, edit it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the but that's the easy part. You know, the 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 hard part really is uh, going around and drinking a lot of delicious drinks and eating a lot of hot chicken. That's the that's the difficult bit. That's out of the way now. Now I just have yeah, like you said, all of the outlining, writing, recording, mixing, and editing. It's, yeah, that's yeah, that's not yeah. that's nothing. That's you're like coasting, an hour. You're coasting over the finish line, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> well, it seems to be basically you brought somebody back with you. Who you got in the studio for us today? I did, yeah. Uh, smuggled into my carry-on, I have, uh, we have Travis Tucker from uh, Kettle One. How you doing, man? Oh, gentlemen, thanks for letting me out of your carry-on, by the way. It is, yeah. Uh, yes, dude, yeah, sorry it is I forgot hot. about you for a week. I'm really glad there was yeah. enough air in there for you. It's hot. It is hot in there. <laughs> um, speaking of hot, I also uh, conducted my own hot chicken experiment, but... In the end, I felt like the chicken conducted an experiment on me more than anything else. Um, <laughs> and I also had princes, which was just delightful. And, uh, you know, just really early into this, I want to insert some tension. I think perhaps the best hot chicken that I've had is here in Los Angeles. Whoa. I, really? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, you I don't know who's listening. Explain uh, yourself, sir. Yeah, you're gonna yes. really con- controver- you're gonna create controversy right away. Right out of the gate, you know, just <laughs> sort of jump in the deep end, alienate myself from from an entire region of people. Um, but there's a place here in Los Angeles that made waves pre-pandemic called Howlin' Rays. Are you all familiar? No, but you know, no. I just opened a, a bar and restaurant in in Los Angeles, and so I'll be out there a bunch. So Howlin' Rays, I just jotted it down. I'll definitely How in race, you could not get in unless you were open to standing in line for two to three hours. And it was in the middle of Chinatown, uh, perhaps an obscure place to open a hot chicken restaurant, amongst other deliciousness uh, in that particular area. But Howland Ray's stood out because of its lines, but also this dedication to hot chicken as an homage to the great uh, city of Nashville, obviously. Um, but a classically trained chef. Uh, really just dedicated himself to this very, you know, uh, one, uh, not easy to accomplish, but um, relatively simple process. Set up his mise en place like, like you would expect from a Michelin star restaurant, 
I mean, it's just a well-oiled machine. And what comes out of that kitchen is magical. Uh, it is just crunchy and hot. And, you know, good food's all about contrast, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And and crispy and soft and juicy and ten everything you want um, from a hot chicken sandwich. Also, levels of heat that require you to sign a waiver at the very top end <laughs> yeah. of that spectrum. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, a lot of those places yeah. have that. I love it. Yeah, and it's real. They tell you, uh, this will take you X amount of time to depart your, your body if you choose to go into this uh, – the spectrum of heat and oh, so you're not, not signing, you're not signing a waiver for what happens at the front end. That's what the real, that's what you're really signing away your rights for. Yeah. The waiver's late. They, the they, waiver comes in, in later. <laughs> they hand you some, some blue gloves, which come in handy. Um, because as you're wiping sweat from your brow and you get some of that sauce on your eye, it's, it's over. So yeah, I will say, uh, Southern, when you come out to LA, please. I'll, I'll definitely go. I'll, I'll definitely you. go with you. I'm, 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 I'm in that camp of, uh, you know, chili heads or heatonists or whatever you want to call them. I love that endorphin rush of pain. Uh, in fact, the first time I went to Prince's, um, the young lady behind the counter, um, she literally sized me up like she, you know, she threw her glance from my feet to my head and from my head back to my feet again when I asked her for the hottest one they have, and then she said, uh, and, and, and people who listen to the show know that I, I only drink water and alcohol. At Prince's, they don't serve alcohol. So uh, she asked me what I wanted to drink, and I said, uh, I'll just have a water. And she goes, you should have milk. <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, I said, you know, I didn't give her my whole story that I only drink water and alcohol, but I just said, you know, on your recommendation, I'll have it. And then she goes, we don't have milk. There's, a S <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's an SO, which is a local you know, gas station chain, ESSO. There's an SO a block away. You can get there and back before your chicken is ready. <laughs> and I said, I'll just have the water. <laughs> and oh, and was she right? Oh, man. That was the, again, I loved it. It was the hottest hot chicken I've ever had in my life. Which, which, which degree of heat did you go for? Did you go for the triple X or what? Yeah, yeah, the hottest one. Uh, I don't oh, remember God. exactly how they rank them. But uh, so when I was there, I went to, I've been there numerous times, obviously, but I've been to Bolton's and Prince's and Hattie B's, of course. Uh, Hattie B's, I think, dominates the scene um, just based on how many locations. But, you know, Prince's uh, was sort of the original and Bolton's was very short behind them and their their locations. Uh, they, they Each of them have a couple of locations as well. But the originals, the original of each of those is the ones that I wanted to go see. So, yeah, you should have milk. <laughs> <laughs> and on the subject she was just like, you, you weird looking white dude you're gonna get your face torn off by eating this chicken and i was like bring the heat lady bring the heat i'm ready oh, on uh, the subject of fried chicken i don't know if that's what this episode's about but i read this morning that willie mays scotch house which in, mm. in my opinion has some of the best fried chicken in the world oh, i from think New your Orleans, opinion is shared by many yes it's expanding to Los Angeles what? at the end of the summer. Huh? Wow. Yes. So you're going yeah, LA to did. LA, right? Louisiana to Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked. I had to reread it twice. Um, and I'm just elated. So I'm counting down the days. Oh, that's incredible to hear. Yeah. I'll have to check that out as well. Man, maybe, maybe the LA project was a better idea than I thought. <laughs> um, well, this episode could be all about chicken if you want. But, you know, uh, we do love to hear about your, your, what you do. Um, which of course is uh, a regional director of Kettle One USA. What the heck does that mean? Oh, that's such a great question. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um... <laughs> Listen, if you've got a job that you do and do well, and you're still trying to figure out what it is, that's great, right? You're still unraveling. <laughs> yeah. You're still unraveling the mysteries. That's a sign of success, right there, man. <laughs> Indeed, you have more it to is, learn. 
it is a relatively, I mean, that's what life's all about, right? Continuous learning. Um, exactly. It is a relatively new role that will take it on as regional director. So there is some truth to that. Um, we are still putting the pieces together. But, you know, to, to kind of rewind a bit to give you some context, um, I was an ambassador for Kettle One in San Francisco for four years, uh, which really introduced me to just uh, how amazing this industry is. I really developed a passion and really an education. I came from Denver around 2013 to that beautiful city. And just, I mean, it really just fast-tracked um, everything for me in a lot of ways, getting exposed to so many great talents and bars uh, in that city. And around 2015 or 16, uh, Diageo decided to rework its ambassador program. If you all remember the uh, Masters of Whiskey program, um, some other great ambassador programs that I was a part of, uh, they decided to... Um, re-envision it to this new interpretation, Diageo Hospitality Partnership that they currently have. And you know, at the time, uh, Carl Nolette Jr., the 11th generation owner of the Nolette family distillery, makers of Kettle One Vodka, decided to bring us home, so to speak. Uh, the DHP program was outsourced to a partner agency with Diageo, and we were brought internal to the Nolette Spirits Organization, which was amazing. Uh, coming um, home so type of uh, movement vibe, if you will. And at that point, I relocated to Los Angeles to be a regional manager and help kind of build this um, this organization that we have from the ground up, Kettle One USA, which is a subsidiary of Millet Spirits USA. And we have about 13 or 14 district managers, some of which were formerly with the ambassador program, that cover um, the majority of states in, in the US, uh, or at least the majority of states of where Kettle One is most prominent. So I oversee the Western US for that program. So, so what's your day to day look like in that position? Like what, what's uh, you get up in the morning or afternoon or evening? I don't know. And then, and what, <laughs> like, you know, what's, what's the comings and goings of that position? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, it changes daily. Um, you know, the best part about being with a family company is it's, it's relatively small. Everyone sees Kettle One as this big brand, but it's, it's a very small family run company. And all the benefits that come with that, but also working with um, Diageo, uh, one of the world's largest you know, spirits marketers, uh, it's, it's very commercially focused. So we're working with the top 50 uh, highest volume, highest, you know, perhaps visible accounts in each territory that we, we touch to basically just work with, um, you know, their program and try to, uh, you know, meet their goals through the lens of Kettle One. And at the end of the day, that's really what we're here to do uh, and to continue to kind of tell the no let family story. The great part about the brand that I represent is there's so much history and heritage behind it and the product's so great. All you have to really do is, is introduce it, tell the story, and it kind of takes care of itself. So um, there's you know, a little bit of sales, a little bit of marketing mixed in. But, uh, you know, in, in the last few years with the pandemic, obviously pivoting a little bit, some off-premise stuff. Um, Thankfully, now we're back to the on-premise, nothing against the off. I much prefer the on. <laughs> uh, but, Same. you know, really helping the the revival of the on-premise uh, get back on its feet. Um, and actually, Southern, that's where I was first introduced to you. I don't know if you remember the, the master, uh, the Marvelous Monday program that we did with um, Lush Life and Portland Cocktail Week. You were a 
you were a teacher, I believe, on one of those episodes. Oh, right. Yeah. Amanda Witt and I did a, uh, well, mainly it was Amanda. I'm going to be honest. She, she led the thing. I was, I just had the location and the, and the name, I think. Um, but she, we did a coffee. I can't remember what it was. We did a coffee episode about using kettle one in different, uh, coffee cocktails. I'm sure, of course, we oh. I'm sure we made an espresso martini in there somewhere, but we did other <laughs> things as well using coffee and, and kettle one. And we were behind That's the bar at Mori Mar- and we were behind the bar to Mori Margo. If I remember correctly, it was uh, an all-spice dram, some mole bitters, and I believe a gingerbread cookie had also made its way to that yeah. particular cocktail. Sounds like something we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's that's uh, current day where we're at, continuing to grow, um, and you know, just champion Kettle One Vodka, our Kettle One Botanical line, and now um, the newest addition to our family, uh, Kettle One Botanical Vodka Spirits RTD. Which, uh, if you read any headline in the past two years, that category is just on fire. Yeah, RTDs have kind of, I mean, was it taken over the world? But yeah, it's they've they've grown exponentially. They were, I think, they were already in a growth mode prior to the pandemic. But when the pandemic came on, wow, we saw just an explosion of ready to drinks available at every liquor store and every place that can sell that stuff. So. Oh yeah, um, and, and even even here on the show, I mean, it's slowed down a little bit, but there was a while where, like, I mean, you know, we get we get pitches sometimes of people mm-hmm. who are like, "Hey, I've got this new product," like, you know, I'd love to be on your show. For about a year and a half, every other pitch was an RTD. Mm-hmm. Now it, it was it was nuts, and so I guess I, I I I'd love to ask Travis, you know, what do you what do you do when you're bursting into a field that's that crowded? Like, how do you how did you guys position yourselves to say, okay, you know, like what what we're making is unique and different, and how do you, um, you know, c- communicate that to the consumer? That is such a great question, and uh, again, much like myself, continuously learning because it is a relatively new adventure for us. But the first thing you do is surround yourself with with good people. You got to get a good team, um, you know, people that are experienced in that space, and that's a, exactly what uh, the Millet family did. You know, this product uh, just came to market about a year ago. And they'd been working on it, obviously, for a few prior to dial in all of um, the recipes and the design of the can and the packaging and everything. Um, because, yeah, to stand out in just what you can imagine is an incredibly saturated category, especially now, is very, very challenging. Uh, luckily, within the greater kind of, um, you know, to-go set, there's RTDs, you know, which are ready-to-drink, spirit-based, and then uh, F- FMBs, flavored malt beverages. Now, the general consumer won't see the difference between the two, but you know your, your typical F&B is a White Claw, for instance, or a Truly, whereas your RTD is more of a Kettle One Botanical Vodka Spreads. It's spirit-based. And so luckily in that regard, I think consumers see more value there. And so you're able to um, potentially play at a higher price point and deliver a more premium experience, which is where I think you're seeing that category kind of go. But we already had this award-winning uh, line of Kettle One Botanicals, which launched in 2018 as the number one selling innovation that year. And so we already had kind of the, the blueprint as to what we wanted to do. We just had to bring that to life in, um, you know, an RTD format, the can form. And so that's exactly what we did in tremendous first year, obviously during the pandemic, very challenging, but uh, we actually just released an enhanced version. We dialed up the um, ABV a bit to 4.5%. Uh, dialed up the carbonation just a bit, a little bit more fizz, and actually a little bit more flavor as well. So you have, you know, kettle and botanical peach and orange blossom, cucumber and mint, and grapefruit rose, um, which are actually, as we're speaking, currently um, hitting shelves. So 
Yeah, I mean, that's... I, I'm I'm excited to see more RTDs that are not the malt beverage, as you just mentioned. And I think, and we've brought this up before in, on the show, the consumer isn't as wise as uh, um, we'd like them to be regarding those uh, those ones that are basically their beers. The consumer thinks, "Oh, this is a this is a vodka tonic and a vodka soda in a can, and it's absolutely 100% a fermented product, and it's a beer, not distilled." Um, and I'm curious if there's, uh, I don't know, are you having any? I don't know. Is there an educational barrier that you're having to try and cross with the consumer to get them to understand that a the one thing that they think is a vodka soda isn't, and b that yours is? I, you're, you're spot on. There is. And trying to distinguish yourself is challenging when there's not someone there to talk them through the experience, right? Hey, what you're buying might not be necessarily what you think it is. Uh, and so you, you do that in a variety of ways, whether it's, you know, um, the packaging itself, whether it's working with, uh, you know, the off-premise locations to educate the consumers, or even um, just higher price points and kind of signal that this might be a more um, premium alternative. But you know, you just look at um, the growth in that category, and it, it's kind of taking care of itself. Um, you know, I think by revenue, cocktails R and Ds were uh, the fastest growing last year, and also by volume as well, if I'm not mistaken. So there's an there's an incredible amount of momentum and attention to where I think consumers, just as they did during the pandemic with spirits, cocktails, etc., are are better educating themselves as to the difference in these products. I'm seeing less. And this is just my personal perception, but I'm seeing less and less of the flavored malt beverages and more and more of the RTDs. And I think uh, retail establishments are looking at, you know, that from a margin perspective as well. Um, you know, perhaps they can make more on these uh, more spirit based premium alternatives. That's awesome. Right. And, and I, I, I also definitely want to talk about, I mean, like you were saying, you know, you had the blueprints for some of these with some of the, uh, the innovations that you were making within the vodka brand itself, which has been a, a a category that has resisted a lot of innovation over the years, but we should also take a quick break here to hear from some of our sponsors. And we'll be right back with Travis Tucker here on the speakeasy on heritage radio network. Stay tuned. Hey Greg, you know, I was a competitor at world-class for the first two years that it came to America. Uh, first year I was in the top four, second year I was in the top 20. So I realized that I was going <laughs> the wrong way. So I didn't re up. However, uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, and you got to go down and view it and do some recordings for HRN. Talk about that a little. Oh, man. I mean, it was amazing. I got to see people who are really kind of at, at the top of their game, really getting to to have fun with it, you know? And I mean, you know, on on, uh, on a given service, you know, you get to make a lot of drinks that, you know, you really, really like and you really have fun. And obviously, you know, we like what we do or we, we wouldn't do it because it's hard. But, you know, very rarely do you get that chance to really just, you know, have that pure creative capacity just say okay i'm gonna make this drink exactly the way i want it i'm gonna mess around with this for months and months and months until it's perfectly you know perfectly proportioned and then i'm gonna build a fun little diorama for it and (laughs) put all my put all my little glasses around this miniature scale model of san francisco not a hyperbolous example by the way someone actually did that um and it's also just really great to see, you know, that there's always new stuff to learn. I mean, you know, like one of the things that I heard a lot is like, you know, people who, who did amazingly well, people who, you know, made drinks and had better technique than I will ever have in my entire life say like, yeah, you know, I was really happy with my performance and I'm really excited to, to you know, hone my skills and come back next year. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not something you go in and dominate the first time around. It's definitely a lot of practice, trial, and error. And I think that there are resources out there that can help you get through some of that uh, from Diageo itself, Diageo Bar Academy, where you can go and take e-learning classes from past winners, uh, where you can uh, see maybe insight and intel on how they got to where they got. Uh, and it's also for any level, right? Uh, you can be a beginning bartender, uh, you can be a seasoned professional. Hell, you can be just a, a, an average consumer who's got a high interest. Uh, and, and it's all entirely free, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about it is that it's available 24-7 wherever you have a computer or mobile device, and it's all free. You know, it's very much, it is the library of Alexandria. It's it's knowledge for the people accessible wherever, you know, you can get a decent internet signal. And I think it's really great that they also have classes for every single level of experience. So whether you're just starting out and kind of want to like learn the ropes, get a handle on the basics, or whether you've been doing this for decades and decades and decades and still want to, you know, up your game or even refresh yourself on those basics, you can do that. Any skill level, anywhere on the planet, any time of day, any budget, because it's free. I'm super into that, man. Yeah, and it's constantly updating. The, the information there is new and fresh and gorgeous all the time. And again, anytime you want to access it, 24 hours a day, uh, it's on demand and it's free, free, free. That's DiageoBarAcademy.com. D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com. Go check it out. And we are back at the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network in the virtual studio today. We got Travis Tucker. He is the regional director for Kettle One USA. Uh, he's out in Southern California, uh, joining us uh, to talk about all things vodka. Uh, and we were just touching on things about like uh, RTDs uh, and their increase in uh, visibility and sales. You know, maybe due to or spurred on by the pandemic. But in those, you're using the new Kettle One botanicals, right? Talk a little bit about those because I'm not as familiar with those, and I don't know if our listeners are either because they kind of came out right when the pandemic hit. So I think they maybe missed a little or I missed them. I just didn't see them. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Uh, it's really been a shot in the arm for the brand. I mean, I've been working on the brand since 2013. And uh, when these arrived, there was just so much excitement behind them. Um, it really was a project between, you know, the 11th generation owners of the Ketawan, or excuse me, the Noah family distillery, Carl Jr. and Carl Nolet Jr. and his brother, Bob, and their father, uh, Carl Nolet Sr., creator of Ketawan Vodka. And they had created this beautiful gin uh, called Nolet's Gin uh, around 2010. And their family has historically just had, you know, over 330 years of experience in distillation, but also with botanicals. And so uh, they, they know what they're doing. And at this point, you know, they, they individually distill the botanicals that go into No Let's Gen. And you know, right around 2015, 16, there was the start of this kind of um, more holistic lifestyle uh, adoption by the consumer in all industries, but ours as well. You're starting to see, you know, the impacts of that, the low proof, kind of no proof movement. And, you know, what they thought was, you know, perhaps this is the time to release, uh, you know, a, a lower impact alternative to Kettle One Vodka using all of these beautiful botanical distillates. And so they started, you know, messing around with um, a bunch of different varietals that you'll, you'll now find on the front of the uh, three that we chose. And, uh, you know, distilling the botanicals into Kettle One Vodka, and then um, infusing them afterward, the two-part process is what yielded this just brilliant uh, lower ABV um, product called Kettle One Botanical, uh, you know, which has real botanical uh, distilled into it and the essence of it infused afterwards. 
And so we have uh, cucumber and mint, grapefruit and rose, and um, peach and orange blossom. And ironically, all three sell relatively equally uh, the same. And, you know, what they found was it covers really over like 90% of people's, you know, kind of flavor spectrums. Like if you were to ask a room of 30 people, which one they preferred, you know, 10 would raise their hand for each varietal. And so it's really been this incredible movement. You've seen a lot of competitors kind of get into the space as well and take on this uh, botanical spirit category, which was brand new when they created Ketawa Botanical. Um, and, you know, the TTB, I think, is trying to figure out what to do with it. There's also this this greater trend, you know, I, I like to call it virgin, right? Gem atop the juniper, which might make some people cringe. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm with you. I get what you're trying yeah. to do there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's a word that I heard and I was like, wow. <laughs> and also just writing the, the, the genesis to just keep throwing uh, cliches out there. But uh, I think it really ushered in. Oh, this man. Damon's going to be pissed that he missed two puns in a row. <laughs> <laughs> It really just ushered in this this lifestyle brand that um, you know has just done wonders for for Kettle One and uh, you know really obviously spurred the conversation for the RTD set. Right, and and I uh, you know I know that you've mentioned it uh, in your speak there, but uh, they're a little lower ABV than the traditional Kettle One, correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, they come in at thirty percent. Um, you know, so uh, just under the the foolproof or the Kettle One vodka, which is at forty percent, and so you know, mixed with uh, perhaps some soda water, it uh, yields a very delicious seventy-three calorie beverage. You know, for someone that perhaps typically drinks wine and they want something um, a little bit different, this is something that they can enjoy while still kind of maintaining that low impact lifestyle. Um, you know, which has just taken over uh, in the last few years. So I, I, I want to ask, because, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, obviously this sounds like something that would go over great with the general public and it sounds like it, it has. And, you know, I mean, good, good on, good on you all for, for, you know, seeing a market and seeing like, Hey, I think people will really like this. Like I am in the business of clapping for people who make things that people like to drink, but I could also see because vodka is such a, you know, a, a category that is, you know, rather stayed very much kind of like, you know, no, it has to be like, you know, completely flavorless that I could see some of your more, uh, you know, snobbier, douchier bartenders slash uh, bartending podcast hosts looking at it and saying, oh, you know, but like, but is this, but is this really vodka? Like, and getting a little bit of pushback from the, you know, the, um, the sort of old guard on that. Has, has that been the case? And what do you sort of say to people who are like, you can't innovate in this category. It has to taste like, you know, like you're just drinking water or whatever. What do you, what do you say to the haters on something like this? <laughs> well, haters are going to hate, right? So this is true. That's what they do. <laughs> um, but you mentioned something uh, early in that question. I think it's so true. And, you know, the no let's created this, um, you know, not on a, on a whimsy, but uh, out of demand for a, a product like this, they made this for, customers um you know if you look at their history they don't innovate just to innovate it was kettle one in 1983 ish it was uh our, our first flavor citron in 2001 Iran in 2010 so they're very methodical about how they approach innovation and so you know when they decided to do this obviously there was you know this uh, eruption of what is this a botanical spirit uh, you know is it gin is it vodka and they never intended it to be either. They wanted it to be its own category. They wanted to create something new. And that's a, 
exactly what they did. And they kind of opened the door to scrutiny, obviously, but you know, the, the volume and the appeal really speak for itself. Um, and it's a product that's, you know, really for the last few years stood the test, stood the test of time. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to vodka, there's always two opinions. You know, you love it or you hate it, right? And at the end of the day, uh, if you enjoy it, great, it's for you. If you don't, hey, there's other, there's other things out there that you can enjoy. Um, but we make spirits for uh, people uh, that are looking to enjoy, you know, um, a nice martini perhaps with Kettle One or a nice spritz with Kettle One Botanical. Or, hey, if you just want to take a uh, four-pack to uh, a party or to the, the park, you got the RTDs too. So, Yeah, totally. And, and I always tell people, you know, it's like I, I have very strong opinions about what I like and don't like. You know, coffee should be hot. Cocktail should be cold. I respect people who differ from me. They're just wrong. But, you know, on the other hand, I also say, you know, I'm not the flavor police. Like, I'm not put on this earth on a divine mission from God herself to tell people what tastes good and what tastes bad. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're creating a product that, that, you know, creates joy that people enjoy, that actually helps them, you know, perhaps select a lower ABV option when maybe that's something that they want, you know, the, the, the haters can stuff it <laughs> basically. Um, and I also wanted to ask because, you know, I mean, there's so many, one of the fun things about this business is that, Anytime you see something that is a hard and fast rule, anytime someone says, well, you know, you can't put botanicals in a vodka or you can't, you know, make uh, whiskey out of sorghum or whatever, there's going to be some smart ass out there who's like, just watch me. You know, it's fun. It's fun to watch people like take these dares and break the rules. But it also means that there's like a ton of extra material that even, I mean, I've been doing this, we've all been doing this for over a decade on this show. So, some of us slightly more than that. Uh, and it still always seems like there's like new stuff to keep up with. So, I mean, like, are there any resources that you can think of off the top of your head to, that would be that, that bartenders, no matter how long they've been in this business, could use to keep up with all these new developments? Yeah, I mean, first thing that comes to mind is the Diageo Bar Academy. It is a complimentary resource um, for really all levels, all skill levels, all age levels uh, that want to tap into this incredible resource. It's a, it's a one-stop shop, uh, and, and even outside of um, bartending for hospitality professionals uh, to find e-learnings, masterclasses, category and brand training, all in one site. Um, you know, you got bar skills, life skills, business skills. I mean, I've been working with Kettle One for you know almost ten years, and I still find myself going to that website to find pictures or techniques or uh, cocktail recipes that I can kind of bring uh, to the market. And then you look at the people behind it. Obviously, Diageo is sponsoring it, but you got talents like you know Laura Newman, uh, Lauren Mott, Ivy Mix, Charles Jolie. This goes on and on. Uh, you know, really putting out this content, and so you know it, it's coming from a very good. Uh, elevated space. Yeah, well, I think even what you just said, you've been with Diageo for for that ten years, and and Bar Academy's been around for that long as well. And it's not um, static; it's constantly changing, evolving, and growing too, right? So there's new content up there all the time. It's not uh, it's not like they put it up ten years ago and just said, "Okay, dust our hands off, we're done." Um, it, it 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 evolves as well, correct? Oh yeah, and it remains up to date. I mean, I, I was looking at it this morning, and right there on the front was. The news regarding world class and the winner, you know, Jesse Pollock, uh, which is incredible. And just uh, a story about her, uh, followed by just a, a number of other very timely, relevant, seasonal content. 
that just all automatically updates throughout the year. That's wild, man. Well, if, if people wanted to get in touch with you and keep up with you and your exploits with Kettle One, where would they, where would they find you on, you know, TikTok or whatever the kids are using these days? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Wherever the wherever the twenty one and plus adults are using these yeah, days, indeed, indeed. The people uh, who are younger and cooler than me, where should they go? Got to be responsible. I feel exactly. like that was a jab at me, Greg. Do you you know, I just started my TikTok <laughs> channel this this past week, right? <laughs> really? Yeah, I did. I did. How many, how many millions of followers do you have so far? I just, uh, I think I've got four followers so far. Um, Sweet. Yeah. All right, I'll join That's after this. Four to <laughs> yeah. four million, brother. Don't give up. I'll give you a 25% boost in followership after this show. I'd appreciate yes. it. Yes. Uh, so uh, I I can be found on Instagram these days. I um, have temporarily shunned Facebook for Instagram. Uh, and I thought that I'd spend less time on social media, but I've just taken all the time that I spent there and put it into Instagram. So, um, But I am uh, at just underscore tuck underscore it's. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, and then, um, obviously, DiageoBarAcademy.com uh, is where you can find all the content that we spoke about there. Um, can I can I tell you guys a quick story about uh, Southern really quick? And yeah, let's do it. Oh, really God, far. yes. Oh, about my me? God. Yeah. We have all the time in the world for this, please. <laughs> Lay into it. It doesn't, it doesn't involve him necessarily, but his, his brilliant creation, uh, Amaro E. Amargo. Am I saying that correctly? Amor E. Amargo. Close enough. Amor E. Amargo. If there's me. any Sorry. one thing one thing in the 11-year history of, of Amor that I could change, it would be the name. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, <laughs> Amor E. Amargo. Thank you. Nailed it. Um, and so I was, I was going to visit uh, New York for maybe the third time ever uh, a couple years ago, and we're visiting some friends that aren't in the industry. And you always have your hit list, right? When you're in the industry, like the bars you want to see, uh, you know, I have like Death & Co and Attaboy and Holiday and obviously more E and Wargo um, on that list. But I always like to get the consumer's perspective, right? The, the unadulterated, because we really live in like two worlds. There's there's our world, which is basically tells of the cocktail. It's like a giant reunion. We know it exists, but if you don't know it exists, it, it doesn't <laughs> to you. Uh, and then there's like the um, parallel world of like consumers who tap into it from time to time. So I always like to get their perspective. And so I go to their house and I have where I want to go, but I want to, I want to hear about their, like, yeah, we really want to take you to some neighborhood spots. And they live in the Lower East Side. And I'm like, okay, I'd love to go to some neighborhood spots. Let's do it. Uh, knowing that we were maybe two blocks away from your bar. So there, and, um, you know, as we're going there, they're talking to me about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's this really kind of uh, local um, spot. You got to kind of know someone to get in. We've been going there enough though, to where we kind of vibe with the bartenders and, and uh, we're walking up to your bar and I was just, you know, it's the description they gave me, I, I could never put it on paper myself, but it was so brilliant um, the way that they had just uh, attached themselves to this, this place. And, you know, we, they talked to someone obviously, and we shuffled in the back, we kind of squeezed in the back and um, there's this beautiful array of bitters and tinctures and tonics and uh, whatever else you got back there. And, you know, we ended up having some drinks and they had their favorites and they ordered them and, we walked out and I, I never told them that I knew of you and I knew of the bar and that I wanted to go there. Uh, and I, I still have it to this day, but just their excitement for it. Um, it just really was like this incredibly magical experience. And then we walked over to McSorley's and, you know, obviously then I went a different direction, but um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I love that and I'll, I'll never get tired of hearing those kind of stories. And, and we do definitely, as you said, live in two, two sort of parallel running worlds, the folks who are in the industry and the folks who are, you know, not, 
and they dip into our world from time to time. And I do absolutely and covet and cherish and, and love. I do have a contingency of guests who come to a morning market who don't give a fuck that we're 50 best, don't care a shit about Tales of the Cocktail, Spirited Awards. Don't. They just think we're this fucking cool, weird neighborhood bar that they get to go to that's always busy. And I love them. They're they're honestly my favorites. Uh, of course, I love seeing industry. Of course, I love chatting with the nerds who've read about us and traveled all the way from Norway or what have you. But I do have that contingency of fans who are fans because I'm their neighborhood bar. And I, I love it. I can't get enough of it, to be honest. Yeah, it shows. There's so a connection. Thanks, there, so sure. thanks for sharing that with me. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, listen, Travis, <clears throat> I'll be out in L.A. a bit, uh, you know, because uh, of the new place that we opened out there, Avant Garden Bistro. Um, and uh, I'd love to meet up with you and maybe go to Hal and Ray's and uh, and lift up a couple of uh, Kettle One cocktails. Let's do it. Ah, oh, well, it's, we'll need to cool off somehow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hot. <laughs> Bring milk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be a, a white Russian. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> there we go. The two worlds collide. There we go. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Speakeasy. Uh, tune into Heritage Radio Network for many more shows just like this. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and uh, click on the donate button to give to our show or, or the network as a whole uh, to keep us all on air uh, so you can join us and listen to more great content like this. Thanks again, Travis, for joining us. Uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food, and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. 